We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. She explains in this episode how we need to work from abstract, conceptual items in education to very specific pieces of education and vice versa, if we truly want to build deeper understanding. Now, it's easy for us to sit here and say that we want to do that. And I can imagine many of us, including myself, sitting down trying to figure out how to do that. But therein lies the beauty of this episode and the knowledge Julia shares with us. She shares with us a model to consider and follow when doing something like this. It's called the ACT model. When you hear her explain this, things just seem to make so much more sense. See, typically just that information would be enough to make us want to keep listening and do what's explained. But Julia goes much further than that when she talks about why what we teach in school matters because of the fact we're creating students who are expected to contribute to society as citizens. Now, either way, they're going to contribute. So why are we not focusing on making sure it's a positive contribution? It's about keeping an open mind, following a framework for change so that it's effective and long-lasting, and using positive reinforcement so that you get that intrinsic motivation to continue your curiosity and be invested in what we're doing day in and day out. Because being empowered brings success which in turn breeds confidence. So when Julia gives us the three points of developing relationships, allowing others to do more, and taking care of yourself as ways that leaders can improve how much they support, engage, and empower those they serve, it's just the icing on the cake of an otherwise excellent episode. You're going to love what Julia has to say. Remember, if you find value in this episode, make sure you hit like, subscribe, and leave an honest five-star rating and review wherever you listen. I'd really appreciate it, and all the other people that find this podcast because of you doing it will definitely appreciate it. Well, enough from me. Let's get to getting better with Julia Briggs on Seeing to Lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. 
MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. It's vital that we really think about how we teach humans. We have huge problems that humanity is facing. Climate change, pollution, the inequality, conflict. These are real problems that people today haven't solved. And the current educational models are not producing the kind of thinking that enables us to tackle these problems. So what we are saying is that this model of thinking is what we need to have more equity in our schools, more cooperation between human beings, more just ways of teaching young people that don't promote high stress high levels of discontent. We really do see a lot of young people unhappy at the end of their schooling experience. And that tells us that what we're doing in schools might not be working and might not be producing happy, confident, calm individuals that can then face really complex issues that exist in the world today. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Julia Briggs was an educator for 12 plus years, taught science and chemistry in the United Kingdom and then in Columbia, where she led the chemistry team. Julia has worked as an adult learning facilitator for the past three years and now works as Head of Operations for Education to Change the World. She has a master's degree in educational leadership from Tampere University of Applied Sciences in Finland. I'm excited to talk to Julia today because when I had sent her some things, she responded to me that she thinks education should be a place or schools should be a place where people come together to learn and grow. And it's a place where young people and adults can all be creative find meaning, build relationships, discover passions, basically a place where people learn about education and become educated in a way that suits their individual needs. So Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I think that's a great place to start. I love that you picked up on that because for me, we can talk about the day, day day-to-day stuff about schools and schooling, but 
you get to the heart of, well, why are we there? And for, for me, I think people often talk about preparing for the future and how we're getting, getting young people ready for this unknown adventure that they're going to lead after they, they finish school. But really, they're living now. They're, they're experiencing <laughs> life now. And so schools should be a place of joy and, and growth for, for everyone that's there. It's a community. And I mean, I was a classroom practitioner for a long time and that was my life. I spent a lot of time there and I, and I spent time getting to know other adults, other young people. And I wanted to feel joy every day. I, I didn't want to always talk in terms of, one day, guys, you'll have a life, and you'll <laughs> but we're we're living there, and we're we're experiencing it. So I think this space where people come together and build and and have a community is is really important. That's that's how I see schooling and and education. It's so important because when you talk about preparing students for the next step or the world, how do we do that? Because look, we all know that when we get out of that secondary level of education, things change and you gravitate to different passions and you're, you become more autonomous in what you're doing and it becomes more individualized. How do we ever expect to prepare students for that if we then make them follow all these strict rules where we don't let them do that? Yeah, I was about to need autonomy, a place where there, there is a lot of rigidity and and of course, there are different models and there are different cultures in every school. And I've worked with Julie Stern for for a long time, and she has this this concept of of ordered liberty, and and that that's really powerful because we need structure, we need guidelines, we need rules in order to have safety, emotional emotional safety, physical safety. But also we need freedom within that in order to find out who we are, in order to grow as individuals, to develop a sense of autonomy, to know about what we want as, as individuals, as well as groups, as collectives. But I love the way that she, she puts that because it helps us understand that, oh no, we need rules. <laughs> we, need, <laughs> we need guidance and we need these specific kind of boundaries, just like any human relationship needs boundaries. I think how does how does that happen? What does that look like? Is the powerful question, the important question. And of course, it can look many different ways. As, as long as young people are in a safe environment, in in a place where they can make mistakes, they can fail, where adults are caring and supportive, they, that that's where these like young people can really become who they need to be and who they want to be. I think that's that's how I see it. I'm glad you put it that way. And I, I like that saying that ordered liberty. It's good, is where and that's that's very that's very good. That's very good. And and you you know, you touched on the idea of that's how we achieve that's the big question, right? Yeah. And if we could wrap our heads around that or come up with an answer to that in education, boy, we'd really be on to something. But I think you're, you're part of working on that. And I'm education to change the world. I definitely, 
I definitely want to touch on that. And, um, great. You know, the idea of this ordered liberty and some of the work that you're doing there. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that looks like? Definitely. So, so we work with schools across the world and what we're really focused on is how do we help adults support the, the young people in their classrooms to see the world through organizing ideas called concepts. What, what, which is totally normal for humans. We find it really hard to transfer the, the work from, from John Hattie's meta studies really show us that humans find it really difficult to transfer what they've learned in one situation to another. So, so the model that we work with, we call it the ACT model. It really becomes a specific way of how we can teach young people how to learn to transfer what they're learning in the classrooms beyond, but also to the next day or to the next year. And seeing the world through these conceptual lenses is so powerful for learning, for how the brain works, for how we think about, I mean, I'm a chemistry teacher at heart. So for me, I'm always coming back to science. But how do I think about science? How do I think about all of the different parts of science and all the different facts and skills? For me, as an expert, it's very clear how all of those pieces work together. But for a novice, for a, for a child, for, for one of my students who doesn't necessarily see how things are connected, for them, going through schooling can be very disconnected and confusing. But when we think about our content in an organized way through, through concepts, that provides students with the structure that they need to be able to piece it together and to find meaning in what we are teaching them. That's so meaningful, what you just said, and what really sticks out to me, because I want to make sure I'm getting this and that the listeners are getting this. Because when you talk about being that transfer of knowledge to actually being able to apply it to a different situation, I mean, Gardner talks about that all day as far as the definition of understanding. Yep. and that's what we're looking for. But you're saying that with this model, and I want to make sure I say it right, ACT, A-C-T, right? A-C-T, yes. Yep. So I can explain that the components, if you like, for anyone that's not quite sure. A stands for acquire. So when we are interacting with individual concepts, we need to understand those first before we can then connect them. That's the C. And then once we've connected concepts and relationships, that connection is what transfers. So we can leverage the relationship between individual ideas. When we put them together, it becomes meaning. And then we can use that in multiple contexts. So that's acquire, connect, transfer is the ACT model. Yeah, no, that, that makes so much sense. Because what I was, was going to say after that was so... With this ACT model, I can picture us going into a classroom and acquiring content. And then even with some explicit work, the teacher helping students connect that content, maybe not on a personal level if they're doing it wholesale, but ideally it would be a personal level. Yeah. And then them to transfer it to a personal scenario or a new scenario. 
But we work almost in silos at the secondary level in education. And so that becomes a problem. As connecting the different subjects, as a leader, how do I start to break that down with a model like this? What does that look like? That's a great question. So when we're thinking about concepts, there's different levels of abstraction from, I mean, for me, talking about entropy or balancing equations. So these very specific concepts, acid-based, that those ones will, will stay pretty close to my own discipline. But when I'm talking about energy, when I'm talking about interdependence, when I'm talking about culture, these concepts transcend the discipline and they provide us with ways to reach out to other classes, other subjects, other disciplines. And that's how students can see the connections from what they're doing in a math class to what they're doing in a science class to what they're doing in social studies. And that's how we can help. I mean, I've worked in schools where there's a lot of time to work together between different departments, which, which I've always been very grateful for. It's not the case in all schools or all right, around the world. Right. And it can be quite isolating if you, if you only have the chance to work within your subject. But I think providing, providing teachers with almost the permission through these concepts to, to reach out and to, to have bridges to other subjects and to make those links in their own classroom is incredibly powerful. And it helps our students see how what they're learning in math or how what they're learning in, in English is situated in a broader context that can be taken outside of the classroom. It doesn't have to stay in whatever I'm only looking at in my standards. It can, it can, it can go beyond that. Now, does that, you know, is this an age group specific thing? And, and what I mean by that is, so you have this conceptual model, you have ACT, mm-hmm. and is there an age too young to start this at? Or... Is the current elementary model, like you're in Columbia, you've been in the UK, in the United States, the current elementary model we have is where we have the teacher teaching the multiple subjects. Right. So is that too young for the students to start implementing this? Or is that even a bonus for them to start implementing it because the subjects are put together? I love this question. So if I start from even adults... So I'm going to work back. (laughs) Starting at the beginning. So I've worked with with Julie. Julie came to my school in, I think it was 2015, but I've probably probably got that wrong. So I've known her for a really long time. And I and I quickly realized, I said, I had a conversation with her and I said, Julie, I think you've changed how my brain works. So as an adult, I changed how I learn. And I've just finished my master's degree and I used how just knowing Julie and just, just kind of witnessing her, her work and to, to work with her, I realized that I was using this, this way of thinking in order to learn the different modules in my master's. And it was significantly different to, to any other kind of qualification that I'd had before. 
So even as an adult, this was hugely transformative. And then if we go right back to the beginning, this is fundamentally how our brain works. So our brain is naturally looking and seeking for organizing patterns. So even a baby will think about mom, dad, food, warm, cold. And as, as, as we grow, those become more specific. So food might become nutrition or satiation. So there's, there's a progression here. Young, young children need this way of, of looking at the world. This is how we're naturally trying to learn. The brain loves to learn. That's what it's built for. And if we have elementary classes that are split into different subjects, I think that it is really valuable to reflect and think, okay, how do I make this as conceptual as possible? Because this is how these very young children are coming to us, that they're naturally going to be thinking this way. So all the way from from very, very young children to, to adults, this is absolutely such a fundamentally supportive way of thinking. And something very important, I would assume that once you do get it implemented, say you're implementing this, this new way, I would call it, because it's something we don't do right now, although it runs contrary to our natural development, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I would think that you'd want to implement it at the younger grades and then make sure it gets carried forth into the middle grades and the secondary grades. Or is it something that is not really that difficult for secondary age students to understand? So what we advocate for, we connect with international schools and we work with individual teachers. We work with whole schools, but also do coaching with individual teachers. And our primary goal for anyone that we're working with at any level is just to play with it. So go for it, experiment with it. We have strategies that are how you teach each phase of the ACT model. So we just provide you with, these are the strategies, go for it. And if you go to, to the website at edtochangetheworld.com, you'll find um, some, some resources there for you to, to look through and to, to implement straight away. And Judy is a best-selling author. She's got four books under her belt. So she, <laughs> there's plenty of resources for you out there. And, and that's my answer to the question. Any age, go for it. And if you're leading this as a school leader, a school admin, absolutely consider what is your strategic pathway to, to designing curriculum that's focused on conceptual transfer. And that could be, okay, we want to begin in elementary and work our way up. So the students grow with this, but, but I think go for it. There will be, there will be teachers in your, in your school who naturally gravitate towards it and let those natural leaders that are curious, let them go for it. Awesome. Yeah. They, um, and I, I love the attitude of go for it because if we, if we wait till we're 100% ready to jump into something, we will never jump. I couldn't agree more. 
just go for it. We this is our life. <laughs> yeah. is, we're we're in it, and we might not have another one. Who knows? <laughs> right, so like, right. Let's just do it. And it's funny that you said that because when we talked before I hit record, I was talking about how education should be messy. And, you know, it should be full of mistakes and reflections and iterations. And we can't think that something is just going to be 100% all the time. And it won't be. It, it definitely won't be. And, and we know that failure is, is an important part of success. So let's go. Let's try it. Let's fail. Let's fall over. Let's get back up again and keep going. Love that attitude. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. So change the world. Powerful name in of itself. Yes. What made you want to connect with that? What spoke to you about the idea of change the world? Well, this is Julie's brainchild. So mm-hmm. so I want to give definitely reference Jubilee for that. But what what we're talking about here is it's vital that we really think about how we teach humans. We have huge problems that humanity is facing. Climate change, pollution, the inequality, conflict. These are real problems that people today haven't solved. And the current educational models are not producing the kind of thinking that enables us to tackle these problems. So what we are saying is that this model of thinking is what we need to have more equity in our schools, more cooperation between human beings, more just ways of teaching young people that don't promote high stress, high levels of discontent. We really do see a lot of young people unhappy at the end of their schooling experience. And that tells us that what we're doing in schools might not be working and might not be producing happy, confident, calm individuals that can then face really complex issues that that exist in the world today. That is, boy, I, I really hope people were listening to what you just said, because that is such the question that we need an answer for and the, and the reflection that we need to do with the current state of education. 
I mean, it's it's one thing to talk about change in education. And, you know, it's one thing to talk about changing it because you have some gripes about this or that. But to really connect it, to steal one of your words, to make that connection between student stress, students not being happy, adults not being happy for that matter. And the idea that we have these problems, we have these persistent, pervasive problems worldwide, internationally, that we can't seem to solve. So instead of trying to complain about it or blame somebody or finger point about who's doing what or who isn't doing what or who's right or who's wrong, we're not looking at the piece that matters, the the education that people are getting and that are coming out of school with. They don't have the ability to solve those problems because the way the education is structured. So I just think what you said is so important about why it's a change the world type of thing. Yeah. And I think I think it's complex because there is the argument that you can't just expect teachers and schools to solve all of these problems. Right, right. And I agree with that that sentiment. But the vast majority of young people who leave schools are going to enter adulthood and in some way contribute to society, some may be in very powerful positions. So what we teach them in school matters. Right. And some may, look, everybody is going to contribute to society. Some are going to be positive and some are going to be negative. But either way, that's something that contributes to the overall whole and, and how they learn to think and learn and what they think and learn as they exit is just so vital. Yeah. to whether it's a positive or a negative contribution to society. A hundred percent. You know, a lot of that, when you think about looking at some of the problems we have and, and looking at different issues that are out there and different avenues that students have available as, as the world continues to evolve economically, socially, technologically, there's that curiosity piece. And the brain is, you said before, it's just naturally curious. There are times we don't see that in our schools, though. So how do we as leaders and teachers and everybody else, because I firmly believe that teachers are leaders as well, students are leaders if put in the right position. How do we foster that curiosity or ignite that curiosity in other people so that they they are interested in in stepping outside of those lines, so to speak, or those constraints? I think that's a great point. There is this trend towards disengagement and disenchantment with with what's happening in schools. And I know I've, I've experienced that for myself as well. And feeling like I'm just moving through standard after standard. And it's it's always a race at the end of the year to see if I can finish. And I feel really conflicted with that. And that's me as the teacher the students are receiving that and it is hard and I don't want to to suggest that you can just shift to another model when you work in a context that prescribes that that way of teaching because that's much more that's bigger than what solves <laughs> in one day and unfortunately but when when I did 
find Judy's work and I did start playing with concepts and using the ACT model, it had a big impact on my well-being as a teacher because it actually reduced how much I needed to teach the students. Now that things were organized under concepts, they were much more easy to retain. And also because of the organization, it made sense to the students. And sense-making is so powerful. That's what feels good as a human. When you, when you have that aha moment or that eureka moment, it's addictive. You think, oh, I get it and, and I, I want more of that. And that's what we can give students that in that personal experience of what it feels like to unlock something in the, in the mind. Because when things feel confusing or out of reach or not for me, it, it isn't empowering and it isn't engaging. So, so that's, no, that, I, that's why I think it's, it's such a gift for, for teachers, for students, because it, it does, it do, concepts provide that doorway from something that doesn't make sense to something that, that now does. That's so well said. The idea of when you, when you unlock the mind, I, that's another saying that you, you put out there that I really like, that it is addictive. And there's that, not just the idea that I want more of that and it feels good, but some of that feeling good is because it's confidence now. And when you have students that are confident in the classroom, well, one, they're more engaged. So now they're, they're not misbehaving or tuning out and they're getting more involved in the lesson. Mm -hmm. And then it just goes up from there. Absolutely. And it's interesting because we connect it to what's really happening around us. We can, one of the strategies that we use is expansive framing. So what does this concept look like? in multiple different situations. And you can bring your personal experiences to that and that will look different to everyone. But the concept remains true. It just has lots of different examples with lots of different characteristics. And so it fits everybody's personal needs so they learn it better because they own it. Exactly. Excellent. Well, you know, Julie, I I really like the stuff you're saying, but we're getting towards the end of the podcast. And there's, there's two questions I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. Uh, the first one is, if you were in education, who, not what would you be? I find this hard because when, when I thought about it before, I answered it with what. <laughs> so I find it very, very difficult. I think, I think I would still be who I am. I think I would still be someone who is curious and loves learning and wants to know more about the world. I think I'd be someone who, who travels a lot. I, I love to, to go places and to, to see different cultures. I think it's a really hard question to answer authentically. I'd and like to, I would still be myself. That's, I think that's about as authentic of an answer as you can give. You'd, you'd be yourself. So the next one is, you know, what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? So, I kind of have a couple of different things that, that I want to share with this. My, my own personal 
priority is developing very good relationships. I think that people need to be treated as people, that we need to seek humane ways of working with with others. Um, I also think that it's very common for leaders to want to take on everything and to do things for other people. So my second part is to to not do that, to allow other people to do things, which actually ties into my third piece of, of advice, which is to take care of yourself. First and foremost, your well-being, your health, your ability to show up every day with energy and passion depends upon that. So that's, that's, those are my kind of three pieces to that, to that answer. I think those are three incredibly valuable and incredibly connected pieces. When we talk about relationships, you know, it's the idea of letting people do things and letting them in and knowing who they are and what they're capable of. And then obviously not doing it all yourself is connected to your health. You can't do it all yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And also we take our courses. <laughs> we can help you. We can help you learn how to share this. We we have courses for leading for leading this and also the whole school um curriculum design. And we can absolutely share how this works in different schools across the world. And now all those courses are at that website, changetheworld.com. So you can find them through there if you look for resources and and other professional learning. Um, opportunities, but it will take you to another site, which is conceptualtransfer.com. Um, and that's where we house all of our, all of our courses and, um, or, or get in touch with us. We'd be delighted to, to support more. Excellent. So what's, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Because I'll put those two websites in the show notes. So one we're telling you here, it's changetheworld.com. And it's mm-hmm. conceptualtransfer.com for those courses. So you can get some support in doing this. So now you've heard it verbally. I'll put it in the show notes so people can see it and just click it and get there. Okay. Um, and what's, is there another good way to get in touch with you if they just want to reach out? Definitely. Our emails are on, on the website. So you can find how to contact us definitely and, and learn a little bit more about the team. We have, we have a, a beautiful team with us that supports teachers across different disciplines. So really, really happy to hear from people who are interested. Perfect. I will get those emails and I'll put them in there separately as well. So it's just a nice, easy click instead of looking. Brilliant. Well, Julia, thank you very much for coming on the show today. You've said so much and so many important things on a conceptual level. And so taking your framework the important thing that I'd love the listener to do now is take it from that conceptual level and just hearing it and thinking about it to reaching out, contacting you so that they can actually transfer it into their buildings. Wonderful. Well, it was great to speak with you today, Christopher. Thank you very much. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, 
and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com, where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.